yeah, I most likely would have just had to try my very best in Sydney, but I just know myself and know my wonderful mates who are just nowhere near interested in being professional athletes. So <laughs> it's, it's hard when you're the only one that's taking it exceptionally seriously. It, it, it just is because I trained with these boys up until the quarters last year. After the quarters were done, none of them progressed to semis and they kind of like, yeah, we're going to train with you and we're going to make sure we do it. And then, you know, it just became, uh, also, we just want to go out drinking and uh, we don't need to do that. We're tired. I, I just didn't care enough. I just didn't care enough in that environment. And I needed to be put in an environment like this where I have to care. Welcome to the Bar Band Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by Barband.com. Today, I'm talking to multi-time Australian CrossFit Games athlete, Con Porter, who's competed at CrossFit's highest level as both an individual and a team competitor. This year, he's going team again, but based out of Iceland on the super team led by multi-time CrossFit Games champion, Annie Thor's daughter. I talked to Khan about training, what's changed as he's gotten older and more mature in the sport, and how he went from training in Australia and not really sure what his season was going to look like to living and training in Iceland with some of the best athletes in the sport. It's an exciting journey that spans continents, and I think you'll enjoy. Khan, thanks so much for joining me today. The first question I got to ask, you're, you're training in a new country. You're training in Iceland with a fantastic group of teammates. How's training going? What's it been like training you know, with a team? You're perhaps better known as an individual athlete. Um, how's that process been? Yeah, it's good, man. I actually have done one year on a team uh, in 2019. The first year they sort of changed all the games format. I went on a team then. So I have a little bit of team-based experience. But insofar as how this compares to that, taking nothing away from the team that I was with then, it's just I've never been in an environment where the sole purpose of every day is to just improve your performance in the gym, which probably sounds crazy having been doing this for as long as I have, we wake up and we live and breathe getting better. We wake up and we live and breathe getting better as a team. And being surrounded by these people, being surrounded by the group, having access to not only Yami, I mean, Yami's phenomenal. He's just a brilliant, brilliant coach, but not only him, but everyone has their own unique expertise and their own experiences that they've had as athletes that it's really cool to kind of get that information and bounce off each other like that. What have been some of the surprises so far things you've learned from different people on the team or just anything that's maybe not caught you off guard, but just been like, oh, okay, this is this is not what I was expecting. Could be a, in a good way, could be in a bad way. I think just how, how much all the one percenters that I never gave too much mind to before this effect, affect your training, most of all food. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how little food I ate until I got here and started eating more and watching how much that benefited my performance and recovery. Yeah, it's like I would have a couple of good training days and a bad training day. I'd have a good training day, then a bad training day. And I just kind of chalked that up to that was just normal. And then when I was early on chatting to Yami and Annie and they were asking about my fueling, they're like, you are not eating anywhere near enough. So that was something that really surprised me. And particularly with the volume that we're doing now, like it's it, I'm able to keep the intensity with the volume we're doing now because I've changed how much food I'm eating. So that's been something that's kind of 
don't want to say caught me off guard, but that I, I didn't even realize really leading into this. Um, but that's been kind of cool. From there, I think how much I value time in the sun <laughs> is another thing. Yeah, that weather, this is adjusting to the weather here has been a, a trip. Yeah, you're switching, I think, two hemispheres, right? Going from Australia to, to Iceland, going from it's southern about to as northern. far away as you can. Yeah, that would make sense. It's about as far away from home as you can get. Well, what are some of the things you're, what are some of the other things about adapting to life in Iceland that have either surprised you? Again, it could be really, really good and really exciting, or it could be like, oh, I, I kind of miss this about home. I understand why that's familiar. Yeah, definitely the weather, man. I mean, that's by far, I think, having that freedom to kind of go out, even in the middle of winter, to walk around in sort of shorts, flip flops, and a sweater. It's coming into summer now or midway through spring, and we can occasionally wander around. I wouldn't, walk for an extended period of time in shorts and a sweater but um you know it's not multiple layers which is nice it's also not snowing as much as oh it's not snowing anymore i'm going to say that now i'm going to get a dump or something <laughs> it's going to come back but yeah the weather has just been the biggest adjustment for me and just the sunlight and then um just socializing too you know we because we're training such long days and the intensity is so hard, most of the time when you get home, the last thing you want to do is go and be social. So we just kind of like, we're just downtime, chill out, spending a lot of time just like laying in my room. Tola and I were sharing an apartment and it was effectively two bedrooms with a tiny little space. There was enough room for a small table kind of between the two bedrooms and then a bathroom and a small kitchen area. And so that was challenging because we kind of just like not, we, it didn't fit the two of us in the kitchen at once. We had to take turns in there. And then because there was no real communal space for us to hang out even together, it was just kind of spend your time in your room on your own. So that's been, that's been challenging. I think uh, the culture here is quite different. I'm sort of starting to get to know a few of the guys that are at the gym and that's kind of really cool. Like there's a few of us that are like, yeah, we've got to go, go get some food and stuff like that. And from what I found, and maybe this is a winter thing, like people kind of mostly keep to themselves here and, it's not like back home where on any given Friday, Saturday afternoon, you could at least rally sort of four to five different people and go hang out, have a couple of beers or even just go like have a feed, sit around and talk. So I've missed that. I've missed that a lot. I've missed that socializing, but it's also been a really nice opportunity to just spend a lot of time on my own, which, you know, I, I, I do spend that at home, but yeah, it's been, that's been, that's been challenging, but it's also been kind of different enjoyable. Let's talk about a typical training schedule. So are you all training together all the time or are you doing individual sessions and then also training together? Like what does a typical week kind of look like? I know it can vary a little bit from week to week. Yeah. So it does vary and it varies with what's coming up in terms of uh, what events are coming up. But um, for the most part, we will do we'll get to the gym at the same time some people take a little longer to warm up than others some people kind of have eat like take more warm-up sets so we might if we're doing strength stuff because we typically do strength on its own we'll probably move at different paces and we're not going to kind of all share bars all the time we have different accessory stuff we have different movements that we're doing but when we're doing our conditioning we try to all go together as the season's progressing, we're now doing a lot more team-based conditioning. So a lot of team workouts where we're using the worms, synchro stuff as well. When we do do those individual workouts and we'll get hopefully like BKG will come from his gym, Kat will jump in with us as well. And we'll have a bigger group of people and we'll all kind of go head to head. We just finished, I want to say one of the hardest workouts I've ever done. I can barely string a sentence together now. <laughs> <laughs> it was honestly, and that was cool. We had the whole crew in for that. So we will, we'll kind of try to get everyone together for the hard conditioning pieces. And 
there might be four, three, four of those per week, maybe even more, four or five, if you include kind of the monostructural work we do. And But as a team, we will try to train together almost all of our sessions. So myself, Tola, Annie, and Lauren. You know, sometimes we won't link up with Kat and sometimes BK won't come in, but we will, for the most part, try to get our sessions done together, you know, unless someone has something they have to do or, um, you know, and he's always got uh, the little ones to look after as well. And so, yeah, we'll kind of, we will juggle a little bit around that, but otherwise, yeah, we're all, all, all there together. Well, you said it's one of the hardest workouts you've ever done. What what did you do today? What was this What was this soul-crushing workout? You, by the way, you're doing a great job string, stringing sentences together, so don't worry about that. <laughs> I feel like I'm just rambling at this point. So we started, we had a bit of a big lifting session this morning, then we went back in this afternoon. And so the first workout was four rounds, 200-meter run, 10-ring muscle-ups. And then we went from that into an EMOM, basically as long as you could hold on for five power snatches, 95 pounds for guys, 65 for girls, so 43 slash 30 kilos, five toes to bar, five thrusters, five bar facing burpees. And you did that on the minute, every minute until you failed. Once you failed, you rested a minute and then you added an extra round until you accumulated 20 plus rounds. So if you did the whole thing unbroken, you do 20 minutes. If you miss a round, you have to do 21 rounds. So it's 22 minutes of work. If you miss two rounds, you have to do 22 rounds total. And that adding a round for the rounds that you miss, forget about it. It's so brutal. Okay. Did anyone actually finish it straight in 20 minutes? Nobody finished it. How, who was, who was the closest? Annie and BK only broke once. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty darn impressive. Yeah. Then like I was just, I was after them and then Kat and Tola and Lauren, like we all, yeah. I mean, that workout is just, yeah, it, I, I, it's added to the list of, there's a few workouts we've done that Yami's program for us that just, I, like I haven't been able to finish. And that's always super humbling when you kind of get a workout and you're like, I just could not complete that. So I have this kind of little list that I'm keeping of all the workouts I haven't finished and I, I, I want to get them done by the end of the by the end of the season. I was like, can I revisit like as we get closer to the games? Let's revisit some of these. I would love to finish them. That's also a super mentally challenging aspect of those workouts, where it's like, okay, go until you can't anymore. Especially in every minute on the minute, like an imam, where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, keep this pace until you can't anymore because you know you're going to reach your complete limit. And going into that. I mean, that's a mental, that's a huge mental challenge because you know, you're going to reach the point of failure, right? It's almost yep. like doing a set of, you know, for folks who are listening to this, who aren't CrossFitters, imagine you're a power lifter. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, put a certain amount of weight on the bar and keep back squatting until failure, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Knowing that you're going to reach that vulnerable point, it's, it's, it really screws with your head. Yes. Yeah. So, and particularly Yami sort of briefed us before the workout and he was like, listen, I don't expect anyone to finish this. This isn't programmed for it to be finishable, particularly not after the ring muscle up workout. But I want you guys to just deal with the internal chatter of kind of realizing, you know, I was fairly confident I wouldn't do the 20. And I realized sort of like four or five rounds in, I was like, it's going to be really hard to do this with two breaks and then broke the first time. And I was like, all right, I'm going to finish it now. And then realizing I needed to break again, I was like, oh no, like, okay, this is, you are mentally in this now. Let's talk a little bit about how the team came together. So a little background, which I, I'll give in the intro that I'll record separately is that, you know, Annie Thor's daughter, all-time great CrossFit athlete, 
puts together a super team for the 2022 game season, which actually caught a lot of folks off guard, especially since she made the podium last year, right? A lot of folks were thinking, well, wouldn't you want to go again as an individual? It's it's pretty rare that we see someone go from that individual success straight to team. Not that she won't come back as an individual in the future, but how was that recruitment process from your perspective? Was it like you got a DM on Instagram saying, hey, like let's literally. do this? Oh, really? It was? Yeah. Okay. So I, I believe they had the team lined up and it was supposed to be a European athlete and he pulled the pin last minute. And then... Uh, just obviously a lot easier to get a European athlete in Iceland than fly someone in from Australia. And so I got the last minute call up Christmas day. I believe I got a message, a DM from Annie on Instagram. Hey, uh, do you want to move to Iceland and go team with me? Also Merry Christmas. And I was like, <laughs> it was just the right time for me to say yes to something like that. It was kind of the perfect opportunity for me because I had no idea what I wanted to do this season. I knew to have any kind of competitive season, I could either find a team, like throw together a team back home that could maybe get to the games and just take it, have a bit of fun with it, you know, just be at the games and that be kind of just the goal. Um, if I wanted to go back individually, the Australian our region is so competitive and it's only three spots. I knew to kind of have a shot at taking one of those spots, I was going to need to be training like really, really hard. And kind of putting a lot of other stuff on the back burner. And I just didn't know if Sydney was going to be the right environment for me to do that, which kind of left the question open of where would I go to kind of knuckle down and train distraction-free, if you will. And then this opportunity came up and, yeah, it was perfect. I sort of thought it would be an, an awesome opportunity. And like I kind of alluded to before, it's been not only an awesome opportunity to start training like a professional athlete, but also to start doing the little things, like the recovery stuff eating, getting more routine or like taking supplements. Like I never used to be like super religious about taking protein or taking creatine before in my life. And I have that every morning. It's like doing everything right, <clears throat> you know, resting on your rest days because you're actually so fucked that you don't want to go and just do stuff. And even just making smarter choices. The training is so hard and the environment is so competitive. Everyone's so good that what's expected of you in the gym is so high that it forces you to make good decisions. Whereas if I'm training back home, I've got my buddies and stuff around me. And if it's a, if there's something on Friday night, I want to go and have four or five beers. And I know that I'm not going to be too hungover to train, but I'm not going to feel my very best the next day. So I'll just take it chill. I have that option. I kind of have that say amongst the guys. If I don't want to train, I don't have to train. If I have a uni assessment that I need to do, I can spend an extra day in there at uni and stuff like that. Whereas here it's you, every decision you make, you're kind of making a decision. It, it, it is all, all in. It's all or nothing. It's basically, is this making me better? Is this going to allow me to be at my best tomorrow in the gym when I'm training? Because one, the benchmark in the team is Annie. And like you just said before, she's the you know reigning third fittest woman on earth. And then you've got, you know, Kat has been on the podium. Kat's won it a couple of times. She's been on the podium many times. BK has got to be the most consistent male CrossFit athlete outside of your phrases and your phonings. And he's just phenomenal as well. Like that's the benchmark. That's the standard that we go in every day. And then, I mean, not to detract from Lauren and Toller either. Toller's got to be the one of, if not the strongest man in CrossFit. And he's also amazing, been amazing to live with and to be around because he's so switched on with his routines and with making sure he's doing his recovery. He's got those one percenters so dialed in that that then makes me think, man, if he's doing, he's doing these things to make sure he's at his best, I need to do that too. 
And so, yeah, when Annie asked, it was, I mean, I knew it was going to be a great opportunity to learn and grow as both an athlete and a person. I didn't realize just how much it was going to be, how good it was going to be. I'm curious with your with eating more and also utilizing creatine for the first time in your athletic career, how has your body weight adapted? Have you, have you put on pound, some, some kilos? So I was losing weight rapidly when I first got here because I was still wow. eating how I was eating and my strength numbers were going way down. They've only just started to climb back up because like, I'm still finding the balance of how much foods eat. I'm also 32. So I've got to be conscious of the quality of the food because I don't want to be putting on too much body fat. But I dropped down, I was like 88, 89 kilos um, after a few weeks of training here, after probably the first five weeks of being here. And that's, I've hit those numbers before, but I haven't sat there consistently. I'm back up to about 91, 92 now, but the volume that we're doing is managing my weight. But if you look at my, I mean, I want to do a little before and after post at some point. If you look at my body shape uh, last year, I was weighing sort of 96 kilos and I was not in shape when I was competing because I was balancing study full time. I was eating probably, I was eating less than I am now, but it was just poor quality food and not timed well around training. So I'm eating more now, obviously training more and maintaining, you know, four or five kilos. I'm four or five kilos lighter than I was last year. And I just feel so much better doing pretty much everything except for real uh, for max lifting at, at that lighter body weight so no i haven't been put i i well yeah i dropped down and i probably put on two to three kilos since i've really started to ramp up the quantity of food that i'm eating but i'm watching what i'm eating to try and make sure i don't really want to get much heavier than sort of 92 i think that's a really good competing weight for me um to feel good with my gymnastics and stuff i really did not feel good competing at 96 last year. That's just that from being a lazy prick. <laughs> for, for, for CrossFitters, you just have to compound that weight across however many g- gymnastics movements, right? For mm, a max lift, yeah. you want you might want that body weight. But if you have to do 150 pull-ups in a workout, that's 150 times however many extra kilos you're carrying. Yeah. Every, every- and effectively, that's what kind of kept me from the games last year. It was a couple of gymnastics workouts that realistically I should have done much better on had I been less body weight. And yeah, just carrying those extra kilos cost me. And I think that, you know, that gave me impetus to focus more on that gymnastics and also be more mindful of, of, you know, food and stuff. So that's been an ongoing balancing act of figuring out how to eat more, um, increasing the quality and whatnot, and still kind of having the odd indulgence here and there, but yeah, it's been good. How, how tall are you just to give folks a gauge as far as relative 182 centimeters. So we'll round that up and say six foot. Okay. Yeah. We'll give you, yeah, we'll give you the extra credit. That, that extra makes, centimeter. So for, for, a, for an elite crossfitting male, that's on the, that's on the slightly taller end. You know, you have it the is. Brent Fikowskis of the world who are like six, two, six, three, but, but you're, you're definitely in the upper 50% of height for the sport. Yeah. And same as taller, taller is like six foot, six foot one. So we've got and Annie's on the taller side for the girls as well. I think she's 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, so we've got quite a tall team. And I think that certainly comes into play in certain workouts. It certainly comes into play in those kind of open style workouts. But I think they've gotten much better at programming. I feel like semi-final. And, or in, they've got much better at programming in-person competitions so that being taller, it's always going to be disadvantageous on those kind of fast barbell, fast like gymnastics movements. But at the same time, you know, rope climbs, wall balls, 
the machines and stuff like that. They're starting to incorporate a lot more stuff that does actually higher box jumps, step overs, things like that. Yeah, as long if they bring back the the if you have to go over the obstacles in an obstacle course, you have to go over the walls again. You guys are yeah. gonna do you guys are gonna do great relative to everyone else. So those extra few yeah. inches make all the difference. Hundred percent. That's what she said. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I I walked right into that, that one right up for me, brother. <laughs> walked right into that one. Oh my god! Absolutely. Goodness. Can't believe I did that. Well, you had mentioned. I want to go back a little bit. You mentioned that you were considering like environments to train in, and how sit like living and training in Sydney, if you wanted to make another run as an individual, might not have been optimal this season. What were some of the other places you were considering to kind of get that more ideal training environment? Uh, Vegas was one I'd okay. actually spoken to. So Justin Kotler, who owns Underdogs out there, is a very close friend of mine. And just an ab- him and his uh, partner, Ashley, are just two of my favorite human beings on the planet. I can't speak highly enough of both of them. And we kind of talked about, we talked about the idea of putting together a team. And if not that, then even just going out, doing a stint out there with them, even as an individual, just because... Yeah, I know that Justin, like I said, Justin and Ash are just such great people. And like I know they've got a really good group of athletes out there. Um, and then I don't know, I'd spoke to Newbury about him and I maybe pulling something like getting something together and doing a bit of training as much as we could together. The closest people to me in Oz are the Garrard brothers, and they're in Wollongong. It's about an hour and a half. And there's a couple of other quite competitive young guys down there too that are kind of up and coming in Oceania. And I'd spoken to them about maybe doing like a once a week kind of thing where we'd all get together and train. But yeah, I mean, training once or twice a week with a group of athletes is cool, but being in this environment every day, I mean, it's crazy, dude. Like there are so many good training camps out there and just going into the gym and I'm just, it's it's the norm for me to be surrounded by the people that I'm surrounded by is just wild. Yeah, and cutting down on travel time too is also cutting that doesn't cut into your recovery time, your sleep time, your training mm. time, right? Mm. A lot of people do these commutes. I've talked to folks where they do commute once a week to train with a group of athletes. Some of them are driving, like I was I was talking to Zach George from the UK. The first time he started doing that, he was commuting like two hours each way once a week to train with other athletes. And that's time he like wasn't sleeping. That's time he yeah. wasn't focusing on his nutrition. Well, there's nothing good about sitting in the car for four hours. That would yeah. just, to do my old hips and knees and ankles, mate, I'd be jacked up. I'd, I'd train and then you get in a car and, you know, it, yeah, it would yeah, jack me right up. That's been some of the worst kind of days I've had here have been when I've then tried to go sightseeing the next day and sat in the car <laughs> for five, six hours. I get back <laughs> and I'm like, God damn, it was worth it, but my body is so sore. But, yeah, having that kind of group here but other than yeah I, I don't know that's what i mean when i say that this opportunity came at the right time it really did because i i had no clue where i was going to go i had had as i said brief conversations with justin ashley about maybe doing something that would have been short term as well i would have just gone over and come back but yeah i most likely would have just had to try my very best in sydney but i just know myself and know my wonderful mates who are just nowhere near interested in being professional athletes (laughs) it's just it's hard when you're the only one that's taking it exceptionally seriously it it, it just is because they all want to support me and they all want to be like they'll train i've got a group of guys that i'll train with most of the time back home But it's kind of one of those things where it's like one of the first things to get cut when they don't want, like from their schedule, when they've got other stuff on. 
after the quarterfinals. So like I trained with these boys up until the quarters last year, after the quarters were done, none of them progressed to semis and they kind of like, yeah, we're going to train with you and we're going to make sure we do it. And then, you know, it just became, uh, also we just want to go out drinking and uh, we don't need to do that. We're tired. And it's like, okay, well that, and then for me, I just, doing this for so long that having not having that environment where there is other people there i just kind of would lean on that like i I just didn't care enough i just didn't care enough in that environment and i needed to be put in an environment like this where i have to care i know you still keep tabs on the individual field you mentioned some up-and-comers in oceana who are you really excited to watch in in the rest of this year so we're already part way into the crossfit game season but who are you really excited to to watch on the individual side I mean, I'm definitely watching the Oceania. I don't know what my plan, I don't know what's happening next year with the team, but I know that if it doesn't, if we don't come back for another season, I'll probably come back here and train here for the for the wow. season and then go back over and try and spank all the boys back home. But um, <laughs> I am pumped to see that region. I'm pumped to see the fellas because there is three spots is insane. The depth of the field there is ridiculous. I'm excited to see Ricky obviously come back. I think he gets a spot. I'm excited to see Jay Crouch, young fella. He has been like on the up and up and I'm excited to see how much he's progressed. I feel like he's going to be phenomenal this year. There's a young dude from the from New Zealand, Bailey Martin's his name, and I he I think he came 7th or 8th last year and I was hanging out with actually a good friend of his who's a videographer got stuck in Sydney last year during COVID. Shout out to Cal for spending six months there. And he came and shot a bunch of stuff for me, like the last chance qualifier. And we shot a bunch of content together. And he's good buddies. With it. He's now working full time for a buddy of mine, Sonny Webster. And so Cal was saying, he's like, Bailey's, I don't know if he made it in the teens or something, but I've got, he's someone that I'm extremely excited to watch because he looks like he's doing really well. And from speaking to Cal, who obviously knows this kid real, like really, really well, he said he's someone that's on the up and up. I mean, I'd love to see James go back just because he's my boy and I, I just dig everything that he's about. But I don't know, that region's so stacked, man. And then the girls as well. Tia Cara, that's obviously an awesome matchup. And then you've got like Jamie Green that flies back. She's phenomenal. Ellie Turner, who crushed it last year and crushed it at Waterpalooza. And then there's a few other girls that on the on the day, they could just jump in and do really well. So I think that battle for the third girl spot's going to be really good. I think that it's going to be a battle for the third men's spot. I think Jay and Ricky take one and two. I don't know in what order, but anything could happen. The programming, you never know what's going to come out there. And Big Racy is so good in front of a home crowd. So... Oh man, I'm, I'm pumped. It's annoying. They're the same weekend as we're going. So ah, I'm going to have to just do the recaps every day rather than staying up late because it's going to be lit. We are 12 hours difference here, almost 10 hours different. So it's almost the inverse. Sadly, I'm not going to get to watch much of that live, but they will definitely be. I mean, it's my, it's the home region. I'm, you can probably tell how jazzed I am and about that whole thing and i'm bummed that i'm not going to be there i just love that event i love the guys that run torian they're such good dudes they're so committed to creating not only an awesome test for the athletes but a spectacle then there's flamethrowers and shit while we're doing ladders last year it was yeah man i'm i'm as much as i'm pumped to be here on the team and i look so forward to competing in europe because that's going to be a really cool new experience i am definitely bummed i'm missing torian 
Well, Colin, I appreciate you taking the time today. Your your excitement for the season, even in the regions you're not competing in, is infectious. Where is the best place for people to follow along with you, your training, and your team this game season? Uh, just jump on the old Instagram at I am Khan Porter. It's nice and easy. Easy enough. Khan, I really appreciate you taking the time today. No worries. Thank you, buddy.